You're listening to Superflexology, a Superflex-focused fantasy football podcast with your hosts, Sean Bauer and Mitch Sorensen. Welcome to episode 36 of the Superflexology Fantasy Football Show, a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. Unfortunately, tonight we are not going to be joined by Mitch Sorensen. Apparently, he's trying to sell a house or something. I don't know. But tonight I am joined by Dan Lamagna, and that is at LC underscore Dean on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? Hey, you know how we roll at Superflexology, JB. You know, we're going to miss Mitch tonight, but that's what we do. We step up for each other. We're, we're going to carry Mitch, and we're going to give us momentum for when he comes back next week. You know, unfortunately, he has to play grown-up tonight and, and do the responsible stuff. Allegedly. All it is is excuse, excuse, excuse. But like you said, Dan, we're here to pick up the slack of the Superflexology Fantasy Football Show. Before we get into the content tonight, like we've been talking about week in and week out, we're still doing the signed Tyler Boyd jersey giveaway. Leave a five-star review dm us a screenshot on twitter or instagram at superflexology and you'll be entered to win it's as simple as that dan tonight what we want to start to talk about and it's kind of going to be a two-part episode here there are 10 teams with very interesting quarterback situations based on current contracts one of them we already talked about the carolina panthers one of them is the dallas cowboys we talked about them but it's also we kind of have an expectation of what's going to happen there so we don't really want to spend too much time on it so that leaves us eight teams over the next two shows tonight and next week and there are eight teams with very interesting quarterback situations heading into 2020 and again it's based on contracts, whether it's an unrestricted free agent or there's a potential for a cap casualty based on the current contract situation. So let's dive right into it, Dan. First up, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dan, what are your thoughts here? How do you see this playing out? Because it's one of the few situations where I really do think it's somewhat of a coin flip as to who the starting quarterback is heading into 2020. Man, JB, every week you put us to the test with some kind of different, you know, dynamic that we have to research. And this week, the four teams you pick, starting with the Jaguars, have a lot of a lot of levels to them. You know, when you when you look at the Jaguars, 2017, Doug Marone era begins. You know, he was actually an uh, interim coach in 2016 for two games. And that year they go on and they they. They lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. And as I go back, I think there's a little bit of mismanagement that I saw then. And it's only gotten worse in the last two years. And this is one of those teams, JB. I've talked about it a lot. And I'm trying not to, you know, beat a dead horse here. But I see dysfunction. And I see it in some capacity in all these four teams tonight at different levels. Certain teams, I think, are going to have opportunities to turn this around maybe this year. And, and that's what we look at tonight. You know, is the next Ryan Tannehill in this group where one of these guys is going to step up? And when we look at Jacksonville, you know, is it Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania, or is it Nick Foles, who they spent a lot of money on? I got burned. I'll always own my mistakes. I was thinking, you know, Nick Foles was a sleeper last year, but I... I didn't weigh in there how bad the Jaguars were going to be. And, you know, I think it, it starts at many levels. Their owner, Saeed Khan, he's a successful business owner, but I think this is one of those franchises that it has not translated overall to football. You know, they flashed here and there. You know, they've had some excitement from time to time. But when we're looking at Gardner Minshew, he's age 23. He did flash, but they're not committing to him yet. You know, they says, hey, could be Foles, could be Minshew. This is a team that's a salary cap nightmare. Like, I don't know where they're going to fix that 
that O-line at. And when Foles did have the opportunity last year, obviously an injury derailed him early. But when he came back and they probably said, hey, we're spending this much money. We got to see if he could play. He couldn't move. I'm starting to wonder, JB, if he was just a product of that Philadelphia Eagles system. So they go back to Gardner Minshew, who can move. You know, he did show mobility. He flashed despite that O-line. But, you know, he was still 19th and, you know, a shameless plug here, our super flexology uh, dynasty league scoring. But when I look at rankings, he's 29th in dynasty. He's 29th by pro football focus. And I don't know how the Jacks could help him. They do have a ninth pick overall in a 20th. I look at Mel Kuyper's rankings, JB, and I don't think he watched the Jaguars games last year because he's projecting D-line and tight end with their picks when they have a big gap at O-line. So you tell me, JB, could could they help bench you or do they go back to fools? And how do they fix that team in that O-line? Going through this and I apologize to the listeners and Dan, I'm sure you've noticed I'm a little hoarse over here. Had a long weekend, wasn't feeling great. Back on the grind here. But looking at Foles and Minshew, you guys know, and Mitch and I have gotten into it before, I'm kind of a pro Foles guy. I think strictly because of the contract situation, he's going to get another opportunity here. But in recent weeks... And looking at startups right now, I do think that Minshew, Foles is a, he's dropping down people's draft boards, but Minshew is as well. Minshew is a guy that at a very reasonable price right now in startups, you can get him. And I'm looking at different things. The Jaguars, they were right at the NFL average at 7% adjusted sack rate. You already talked about it. Nick Foles, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not known for his ability to run. Now, Gardner Minshew, on the other hand, he was able to move 67 rushing attempts, 344 yards. He was able to get things done with his legs. And it also just seemed like he was able to bring out more energy within that team. And I'm not saying that Nick Foles, it seems like he's a really good locker room guy. You never hear anything bad about him from teammates. But it seemed like the young Gardner Minshew, he was able to strike that energy and that charisma across the team as a whole. If you look at just raw stats, 61% passing percentage, 3,271 yards, 21 touchdowns, six interceptions, only a 1.3% interception percentage. Percentage, that's pretty fantastic. But when you look at the adjusted completion percentage, 34th in the NFL, and people are probably screaming, John, you love Josh Allen, who is near the bottom of the ranks when it comes to any adjusted completion percentage stats, but you're in not Gardner Minshew for that. A little bit I am. The thing with Gardner Minshew and the things that he's going to help this offense do, and we talk about values across the board with their wide receivers, he had the highest passer rating in the NFL of targets over 20 yards and the seventh highest adjusted a completion percentage. So you look at what he was able to do down the field, he was very effective. And that helped players out like D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Shark. So that benefits the team. So if we're looking at it from a team perspective, I think Gardner Minshew, he helps out the wide receivers. I think somebody like Nick Foles, who likes the underneath passes, he's going to help out their tight ends. And Leonard Fournette. It's also interesting to look at. We talked about changing of the guard and different coaches and offensive coordinators. And this is a team that we didn't really get to in that series, but John Filippo's out, Jay Gruden's in, you have to think that maybe he utilizes the running game. I mean, they utilized it a lot last year, but I think maybe they lean on a little bit more. But long story short, a long-winded answer here. I actually believe that Gardner Minshew is the quarterback to own here. And throughout the season, I still want to believe that Nick Foles was going to be given an opportunity. But looking at their current values and startups, where Gardner Minshew's going, he's somebody that I actually don't mind targeting. And people have reached out to me and some of the trade questions, they've been about Gardner Minshew. And when I'm comparing it to certain values or certain trade situations, I have found that Gardner Minshew is actually growing on me. So just like Dan, you're taking the responsibility, you're accepting the 
responsibility with your Nick Foles pick last year. I'm kind of doing the same, and I'm doing a complete 180 here, and I actually, Gardner Minshew needs to be the starting quarterback in Jacksonville in 2020, even though the dead cap and the the money that's being invested in Nick Foles, I don't want to say cut your losses, because if they cut him, they actually lose an additional $12 million in 2020, and they're already $3 million over the cap here coming up in 2020. That's the second worst situation when you look at contracts across the NFL. They have a few players they could cut that could save some money, but that's neither here nor there right now. But I just, I do think Garner Minshew, he's the guy that needs to lead them here in 2020. I, they can't trade Nick Foles. They can't cut him. But I think Gardner Minshew's the more explosive player and it's going to give them more, more of an edge there to win there in 2020. I'm with you, JB. You make some fine points. You know, if, if you have to settle on a quarterback, you know, you mentioned as the team kind of rallied behind Gardner, they definitely seem to believe in him more. Uh, he definitely gave him a better chance to win, as we said, with his legs. But where I'll vary is when we take it to fantasy football, you know, a year ago, I was kind of, I was on the Jan- the Jaguars bandwagon. This year, I'm off the Jags bandwagon. You know, you mentioned Josh Allen, who's ranked ninth in Dynasty right now in, the, in that range. He's got a solid organization behind him. You know, they, they, they're competitive. They had a nice postseason run. They got a great defense. They balanced the run game well. You know, yes, Allen has some deficiencies. You hope he could continue to grow. But when you look at Jacksonville, you know, they do probably have to keep Nick Foles, as you mentioned, to avoid that cap hit. But, you know, the, I think they're going to keep him also because that O-line's so bad that Minshew's running for his life and get hurt at any point. So that depth might be good for right now. But we go back to ownership. Then now they agreed to play two games in London again. So here's a team that needs every advantage you could get. And now we're going to decide to travel and take two more road games. So that those eight beautiful home games that every team wishes to have, you now have six in Jacksonville with no O-line. And again, how do they fix that O-line? You mentioned Jay Gruden. Maybe he takes a little pressure off pushing Lenny Fournette a little bit. But if there's no holes there, JB, like I, I'm really struggling what they could do unless do they utilize that ninth pick overall? Who's going to be there at O-line? I'm going to disagree with Mel Kite and his defensive line pick. Not saying they don't need help on the defensive side of the line, but you got to protect your quarterback and be able to put some points up to win in this league. Yeah, with those two first round picks, like you mentioned, the ninth and 20th overall, I would be very surprised to see at least one of them invested in an offensive lineman. Maybe there's a free agent they can bring in. But then again, we talk about their salary situation. They don't have much money to play around with here. Marcel Darius, defensive tackle. He missed the final 10 weeks on IR. That could be $20 million in savings in 2020 if he's cut. But yeah, just looking at Nick Foles' contract, this is one of the worst contracts this year. They lose $12 million in addition to his salary in 2020 if they cut him. So in 2021, $14 million in savings. I would be shocked if he is on this roster in 2021. And you can ride out Gardner Minshew for two more years on a rookie deal. And like you said, Dan, build around him, get him more weapons, build up that offensive line. That's the direction this team needs to go. And we've seen it time and time again, and it seems like it's happening more and more recently where teams are willing to admit their mistake earlier on instead of riding a situation out, whether it's with a coach, whether it's with a, a rookie they invested in and it didn't pan out, I think the Jaguars need to go that same route with Nick Foles here. And I know when Mitch listens to this show tomorrow night, he's going to say, John, how are you talking up Gardner Minshew right now <laughs> when you've been on the Foles train this whole time? I don't want to give in to take lock. I realize Foles was the wrong way to go here. And as an organization, the Jaguars need to get away from him. And in 2021, I think they do. Dan, are you investing in Foles or Minshew from a dynasty 
safety perspective? As the name of the show goes, Super Flexology, you know, I think there is value in a Gardner Minshew because he's only 23 years old. You know, does Jacksonville hit a rebuild, you know, mode at some point? You know, we have him as our QB3 maybe, you know, looking for those bye weeks where he can at least know he's going to play and, and score you some points. So I'd buy late JB on Gardner Minshew and then... You know, if I am the owner that gets Minshew, you know, maybe I handcuff him with Foles if I get him, like, the end of the draft. But they are at the bottom. Being that I'm anti-Jacksonville, I'm probably going to pass and someone's going to take Gardner before me. That's the issue I'm seeing. He's going just a little bit earlier than I'm willing to pull the trigger, especially somebody like me who's getting my quarterbacks by the fourth, fifth round, especially because I'm trying to trade back and get those extra picks in those mid-rounds. But I would invest in Gardner Minshew looking at startups. I'm not going to pay the price that an owner is going to want in an existing league. If I have Minshew, I'm holding. I'm not selling right now. Maybe I'll look to sell whenever he actually claims and locks down the starting job. Foles, if I have him my team, great. I'll just hold him. If not, I'm not looking to acquire him. So a lot of things there in Jacksonville that we need to pay attention to and just how they've mismanaged those contracts. Wow. It it really is crazy. So hopefully they can work it out because they do have some nice dynasty assets and we would like to see them appreciate in value. Leonard Fournette, DJ Shark, and potentially Gardner Minshew like we talked about. Now this next team, it's it's an interesting team. The Las, well, I'm just going to say the Las Vegas Raiders. It's so weird because on MFL, it already changed over. They have the initials as LVR and like you're looking at it like this just looks so weird. But there are talks with them moving to Las Vegas. Oh, who's going to sell tickets? And I know this is something that Mitch keeps bringing up. Tom Brady is going to sell tickets. And they've already said, it's been released, they said that if Tom Brady is not a Patriot, the Raiders would be very interested in bringing Tom Brady over. Forget about Tom Brady for a second. What are your thoughts on Derek Carr? Do you think he's the guy in 2020? Or do you think they go in another direction? This is the most, to me, interesting quarterback situation and team that we're talking about tonight. Completely um, agree. You know, the, the the Chargers are interesting in their own dynamic as, you know, Philip Rivers has been there forever. And I think they could come into the Brady talk that we're going to kind of mention a little bit. But with the Las Vegas Raiders, the only thing getting me nervous right now, JB, about Derek Carr is John Gruden. You know, what? why are they putting these rumors out there that they, you know, may be interested in Brady? Is it just selling tickets in Vegas to create some, keep that buzz going? I hope so. But I, I would kind of be excited about Derek Carr. You know, looking at his game grades over the last six seasons from Pro Football Focus, he's had three seasons above the NFL average. So he's shown he's capable. Now, obviously, last year didn't go well for the Raiders, you know, with Antonio Brown drama. But they still kind of hung in there and flashed on offense. He was, I think, 12th overall as far as his grades by pro football focus so last year he was above the league average and that's with gimpy tyrell williams uh, josh jacobs who performed but had his own injuries and then the only other really target they had was darren waller he was 15th in super flexology scoring so in a super flex league you're getting a solid number two quarterback he's age 28 you know he's not too old so i think you could still get some more years out of him does he uh, not feel so much older than 28 when i was does. running through the ages <laughs> of all these quarterbacks and i saw he's going to be 29 years old in march i It just seems like he has been around forever. You're right. He really does feel like that. And then when I look at his age 28, I'm like, wait a second, this isn't so bad, which again, makes him more interesting. When I look at the Raiders, this is also the one organization that 
Again, there's a bit of dysfunction here going back to Al Davis. I mean, one of my best friends is a diehard Raider fan. I know a lot of Raider fans. They said, we will never win until, God bless Al Davis, he, he's no longer with us. Well, now it's his son, Mark Davis. And, you know, it still seems very very Raider-like, but they bring in Mike Mayock. They bring, bring in John Gruden. They're going to this gorgeous new stadium. They're in a very good salary cap situation. They have the 12th overall pick, the 19th overall pick, and a very young nucleus. It's like this is the one team, John, that I think could overcome whatever dysfunction they have and if they have another good draft if they just commit to David Carr if John Gruden can say hey I don't need a new toy right now I think this could be the Tannehill of this year I really think he could be a sleeper well really quick before I go into my analysis I think you meant to say Derek Carr I don't know if David Carr is going to be too useful did I do that I must have been watching the NFL Network earlier. Right, right, right. saw his brother. Derek Carr, ladies and gentlemen, there's the sleeper. So everybody go out and pick up David Carr in your super flex leagues. Uh, Just mess with you, Dan. But yeah, this Derek Carr, he needs to be, I'm going to say it, he needs to be the starting quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders in 2020. This offensive line, they weren't bad last year. 5.8% adjusted sack rate. That was sixth in the NFL. So when we talk about adjusted sack rate, you look at these quarterbacks that maybe aren't the most mobile. This is a situation that benefits him, and that's Derek Carr. They already have a ton of money, which you already alluded to. $55 million in cap space in 2020. That's the ninth most in the NFL. Yeah, if you cut Derek Carr, you save $13.6 million. It's still $8 million in dead cap. You have the money available. There's no reason to cut him loose. In 2019, he was second among all quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks with an adjusted completion percentage of 82.3%. Second, that's only behind Drew Brees. Second in adjusted completion percentage when under pressure. So even though that offensive line was strong, when it did break down, he was still highly effective. When you look at him throughout his career, and you talked about three of his six seasons being a highly rated PFF quarterback, 2019, he saw his highest completion percentage of his career, most passing yards of his career, highest yards per attempt, highest quarterback rating, highest QBR, 1.6% interception percentage in 2019. Yeah, there are things, and I know people like to nitpick and they say, well, he should be doing this or that. And the relationship with John Gruden, maybe it's not what it should be. But Derek Carr was very effective for this offense. They were what, seven, was it seven, eight and one or seven and nine or whatever it was. They were right on the brink of 500, a mangled offense. Jacobs was injured for a portion of the season. Tyrell Williams was beat up. You're relying on Darren Waller, like you mentioned. Hunter Renfro comes out of nowhere. Derek Carr was highly effective with the weapons he had. He needs to be the quarterback here in Las Vegas. And there's a few reasons that he shouldn't be. You talk about the dead cap situation, the potential savings. But again, he's only going to be 29 years old. You have the 12th overall pick. Get a good wide receiver. You have the 19th overall pick. Maybe get a defensive player there. You have pieces here to to really do something and you look at these bottom of the barrel teams and people want to rip on the Raiders and John Gruden for when they sold Amari Cooper and they sold Khalil Mack. They're in a perfect position to rebuild here in what a span of two years. That seems like a win to me. Maybe John Gruden and Mike Mayock, maybe they actually know what they're doing here. Not only for my dynasty super flex shares of Derek Carr, but they really do. I think they need to stick with him and I would be disappointed and surprised to see them go with a 43-year-old quarterback instead of Derek Carr, who, when not injured, has been highly effective in his career. 
you know, you, you bring up the Mari Cooper, Khalil Mack trades, and whether you liked it or not, their vision was rebuilding for Vegas. So now they've positioned themselves for Vegas in a great salary cap position with great draft picks. You brought up their O-line, which was pretty solid last year. Maybe this is a year that they stay a bit healthier. You know, I mean, that's a big factor in the NFL. Sometimes you can't control those that injury bug when it hits you. So if they go into this year with the O-line, the running game, they're healthier. Let's say they draft a C.D. Lamb with the 12th pick, and then they have all this cap space and the 19th pick to improve the defense. This team could be dangerous, JB. I look at the the Dynasty Fantasy rankings right now here from Fantasy Pros, and, you know, outside of your Mahomes, Jackson, Watson, Wilson, which are just rare, you know, maybe you could say Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, you know, there's a couple guys that have good upside, but a lot of these quarterbacks need the right situation to be, you know, in the upper echelon of fantasy quarterbacks. When I look at Derek Carr at 27th, I can make a strong case to put him ahead of a bunch of these guys before him. Phillip Rivers, possibly Big Ben, who's aging, especially in Dynasty. Drew Locke, you know, I just maybe looking at the team situation there, and Drew Locke's unproven. Haskins, Trubisky, Bree. Tannehill, Danny Jones, Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins. JB, you can make a case for all of them. So if you're going to give me Derek Carr, who's ranked 27th late in a draft, I'm buying. I absolutely think he's a buy in startups this offseason. I just want to see them commit to him. But at that point, it's too late. You're going to have to pay the inflated <laughs> price. So I'm saying right now at his current price, whether it's looking at Fantasy Pros 27th overall, whether it's looking at Dynasty ADP, where it's probably a similar range there, go out and get Derek Carr. It's a reasonable price for an effective quarterback. And what, maybe three years ago, he was probably a top 13, 14 Dynasty quarterback. And now, even with a solid season last year, statistically, the best of his career in many categories, he's still being knocked. And the big worry for me is will they commit to him? It's going to be interesting to see that. But forget about fantasy. They need to commit to him in 2020. Now, if he doesn't get the job done next year, sure, maybe go a different direction. And then you get more cap space because the dead cap situation completely changes with this contract and you can find more savings. But I do think they need to stick with him in 2020. And I'm labeling him as a big time buy at his current price in Dynasty Superflex startups. Now, this next team, Dan, it's interesting because we're not going to spend time on, well, these next two, I guess. We're not so much going to spend time on the quarterbacks playing for that team where we did Derek Carr and Gardner Minshew. So with this next team, the Cincinnati Bengals, Andy Dalton, he's entering the last year of his contract, so not quite an unrestricted free agent. It's all but set in stone that the Bengals are going to take Joe Burrow with the first overall pick which they should. I'm not arguing that. So last year was contract. The Bengals get $17.7 million in savings with no dead cap if they cut Andy Dalton prior to, I believe the date is June 1st. Right now, they're sitting with $44 million in available salary cap. That's 18th overall across the NFL. So a big bump if they cut Andy Dalton. One, Dan, do you think they cut Andy Dalton Two, do you think he could be a valuable asset elsewhere in the NFL? And do you have any maybe guesses as to which team that might be? This is a loaded question, especially with the Cincinnati Bengals, John. (laughs) We talk about dysfunction 
it starts and almost ends with the Bengals. If we were talking about the Browns on this episode, it might be a little different. But they've made the mistake, I think, by showing their hand a little bit. I believe somewhere along the line, they, you know, they're not trading that 101. You know, we, everybody knows they're taking Burrow. So they've lost some leverage there in trading Dalton. Then they kind of backtrack and say, you know, Andy Dalton could still play ball. He's, you know, we, we still believe in him. It might be tough to trade him. I think they want to trade him. I think it's the right thing to do. But this is a very challenging quarterback market, too. I mean, all the teams have leverage because there's so many quarterbacks on the market. There's an extra deep draft, especially after I think Justin Herbert just had a real great senior week. You know, his stock rose a little bit. So they really have some quick, cha- you talk challenges. about trading there. Dalton. I was surprised they didn't trade him during the 2019 season. They weren't going anywhere. They benched the poor guy on his birthday. Who does that? Happy birthday. Go ride the pine. And I'm very surprised they didn't make that move. And just like you said, Dan, they're kind of in a situation now. They know they're going to take Joe Burrow. Most teams aren't going to be willing to trade for Andy Dalton based on the depth at quarterback right now and this incoming class. So that's a great point on your end. Why would they not trade Andy Dalton last year? Why, John? Because they are the Cincinnati Bengals owned by Mike Brown. And the word around the NFL is Mike Brown is very, very difficult to trade. He just... He is almost impossible to trade. The teams will call him, and they don't get anywhere. So wait, um, is he the Dan Lamagna of the NFL? He no, I could trade JB. You know, <laughs> I, I just there's there's a strategic plan behind my dynasty trading. All right, you know, and, and you and I are often on the same page, so I think that makes it a little more challenging sometimes. But you know, we you and I have traded more than the Bengals, that's so true. that's very true. I've watched the Bengals for for all these years, and I know you're very familiar being a, a Steelers fan. And all those Marvin Lewis years, man, I just felt like they you know they had some competitive rosters. But they can never get over the hump in the in the postseason, and I think they struggled with drafting character guys. I mean, you know, I'm always watching them. You know, Spike Antonio Brown. You know, he had the perfect days, and I just felt Marvin Lewis never really had control of the team. But I'm thinking, yeah, all right, Mike Brown's just a loyal owner. You know, he's very committed. So then they finally, finally say, all right, it's time for a change after years and years and years of just not getting over the hump in the postseason. And what do they do? They sign this green, wet-behind-the-ears Rams quarterback coach with no head coaching experience to be their head coach. And and then, like you said, they benched Dalton on their birthday, on his birthday. They, they were just a mess. So I don't have much faith in the owner. I don't have much faith in the head coach. And, you know, we know it's Burrow there. So as far as Andy Dalton, I think ultimately they're going to find it difficult to get a trade partner and he's probably going to get cut and then i think it matters it comes down to john how many jobs are out there with the pending free agents with the draft prospects it's going to be a competitive market we talk about the next ryan Tannehill striking gold late in the draft finding somebody that goes to a new team for dirt cheap proves himself on a one-year deal and it's still to be seen if ryan Tannehill is going to land that big contract that's still up in the air spoiler alert we're going to talk about him next week but andy dalton could be that guy he didn't get much help they were battered and bruised that offensive line was horrendous they tried to improve it they had injuries in the offseason 2.39 seconds to throw in 2019 that was tied for the lowest in the nfl so not a lot of time for andy dalton 58.1% of his dropbacks were 2.5 seconds or less. That is the highest rate in the NFL. Again, maybe he's not that great of a quarterback. Yeah, sure. But the guy hasn't gotten help. A.J. Green was out. Tyler Boyd, you know I love Tyler Boyd, but that's really all he had. You know, and then you have these other guys pop up out of nowhere. 
Joe Mixon was a little more heavily involved. I was surprised not to see Gio Bernard get more involved in the passing game, especially down a player like A.J. Green. But talking strictly about Andy Dalton, and you already said it, Dan, a lot of these quarterbacks, they need the right situation. And a quarterback like Andy Dalton, this was not the right situation. 7.3% adjusted sack rate, 21st in the NFL. That's not good. Lowest touchdown percentage of his career, 3%. 37th in adjusted completion percentage. So yeah, 2019 wasn't Andy Dalton's year. Should they move on from him? Absolutely. Joe Burrow, I think he has to be the first overall pick there. But I do think Andy Dalton will get a shot somewhere else. Would he be good in New England? I, I think he might, even though, yeah, they're wide receivers. They're just as batter, better and bruised as the Bengals. Would he be good in Chicago? You know I'm not a Mitchell Trubisky fan. It's the last year of his contract here, and then if they don't exercise that fifth-year option, he's out. Bring in Andy Dalton to make Trubisky work, and I think that could be a fit. We talked about the Carolina Panthers this season. I think if it's not Cam Newton, I do think they go with a veteran. I would love to see Andy Dalton with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, my boy Ian Thomas, now that Greg Olson, he's out of there. So I do think there are situations that Andy Dalton could see his value increase here. Same thing. If I have him in my roster, I'm not moving him. And I do have him. I have a lot of shares left over from last year. If I'm in a startup, I've already taken him in a few this offseason. So yeah, I think he's a buy at his current price. You can get him quarterback 35-ish probably, 32, 35, somewhere in that range. So sure, if I don't like any of the other options there, I'll take a gamble on Andy Dalton. First, I like that shameless Ian Thomas plug that you slid in there somehow in tonight's episode. So I, ha- I have to talk about Ian Thomas. It's my contract. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I like the scenarios that you put Andy Dalton in and, you know, take the teams out of it almost because we don't know how it's going to work out. You know, New England, Chicago, Carolina. But you put them in three potential very good offensive situations where, you know, again, pro football focus. I'm looking at previous seasons. Two of the last five, he was above the NFL average, you know, in his performance performance and again poor teams not really offensive minded you know Marvin Lewis was a defensive minded coach so you put him in a good offensive situation he could be a guy that helps you win this year you know maybe even for two three years if he could land in a good situation but it's now or never for Andy Dalton you know so dynasty I like him late I like having some shares like you said a startup you know again if if I could just have him late and sit him on my roster he's age 32 so this is it John this is probably his last contract his last run he needs to find that good situation and you know might be a team that says hey we're gonna roll with this guy for a few years until a rookie's ready or you know until we have a good draft pick again whatever the case may be he might get that one good chance or he might be a backup like Tannehill was last year go to Chicago Trubisky struggles again and the next thing you know you got yourself a gem the second half of the season so definitely I'd say a buy but buy cautiously one other team I want to throw out, and this, I, I just thought of this. Case Keenum is a free agent. You're going to need somebody to go in there if they want to stick with Dwayne Haskins as a starter for now, and they don't look to acquire two in the draft, which I know some people, that rumor circulating. Let's say Andy Dalton goes to the Washington Redskins. He's not really a mobile quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. He's not known for his rushing upside. So maybe he could be kind of a mentor for Dwayne Haskins. If Dwayne Haskins can't get the job done, maybe Dalton steps in. Just another situation. And we talked about it earlier today, Dan. This is just pure speculation, which I love it. I, I love the, the fantasy football drama, and we all do. And I think it's why we all buy in during the offseason. We love the, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? It's like the domino effect. Once this event happens, then it leads to this. And it creates that drama, which we all love as NFL and fantasy football fans. 
and I've never seen a quarterback situation like this, John. Even if a few of these guys re-sign because their teams don't want to let them go, you're, you're looking at Drew Brees, you're looking at Dak Prescott, you're looking at Tom Brady, Tannehill, Jameis Winston, you got Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, Marcus Mariota, Cam Newton, Case Keenum you even just brought up, Andy Dalton, Phillip Rivers. There are a lot of scenarios that have to play out between now, free agency, the NFL draft. It's going to be an exciting offseason. And then you throw in four or five rookie quarterbacks, things get really crazy crowded and this is kind of a tangent here but we always talk about during startups that's the time to acquire quarterbacks because if you don't the cost to acquire is so much more significant after the startup draft people always say oh well I'm gonna fade quarterback it's getting to the point now where once the breezes rivers Brady's Ben's retire that next age group they're still fairly significant and fairly expensive Matt Ryan Aaron Rodgers those are the next two guys up I think and good luck getting them at a really discounted price so make sure you're getting your quarterbacks and startups because otherwise you're going to start getting stuck with these types of players and it's going to be tough to acquire quarterbacks after startups now we have Did, oh, JB one more point on that in dynasty you know you mentioned those ageless quarterbacks for all these years the big bends the rivers the drew Brees. you know even in the last couple of years you know they might not have been as attractive to us because they're older they provided stability now as they are the closest they've ever been to retirement that creates a lot of uncertainty in fantasy football you know are these rookies gonna pan out how how is it Andy Dalton, Brian Tannehill, Marcus Mariota, those guys going to play out. We don't know. So like you said, if you don't hop on quarterback this time around, you're not having the stability you did in years past. We are at the point where, like I said earlier, players and coaches, they have a shorter leash. And I'm not saying fewer and fewer quarterbacks are going to see out the entirety of their rookie deal, but I think we're going to start to see fewer and fewer quarterbacks get that second big contract. You saw with Marcus Mariota, possibly Jameis Winston, possibly Mitchell Trubisky, Josh Rosen might be in the XFL next year. I don't know. <laughs> but we're seeing these young quarterbacks that had such promise and upside not really pan out long term. Yeah, five years maybe. But you look at, like we said, the Bens, Breezes, Brady's, Rivers, 15 plus years of stability. And you had your quarterback position on lockdown. And now that door is going to be revolving. So you want to make sure that you're getting quarterbacks that you can rely on because they're going to be few and far between. Last team here, Los Angeles Chargers. We know Phillip Rivers is out. It was kind of assumed anyway, but the news came out today that they, they parted ways. They were not going to be re-signing him. We know Melvin Gordon, Hunter Henry, they're unrestricted free agents. Austin Eckler, restricted free agent 48 million dollars in cap space that's 15th so a decent amount but now you have to look at the quarterback position have to assume they draft somebody or like you said dan maybe they go direction of one of the veterans they have that money available so first of all any value in Philip Rivers? A, st a statement came out today. It sounds like he wants to play for at most two more years. Are you looking to buy him anywhere or acquire him in a startup? I'm not, if that helps. <laughs> you knew what I was going to say there. He, he is, I think, must avoid. He needs the absolute perfect 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 situation just to take him at the end of a draft and hope there's something in his arm or that he could stand upright and you know he's got the perfect o-line and all these weapons where maybe he can get you some points for a season 
You know, he's 38 years old. I'm questioning if he's a starter anymore. You know, just watching the games last year, his arm looks shot. He can't run. It's just not there anymore for for Philip Rivers. And it's sad. He's he had a great career. He's a competitor. He, you know, he still battled last year, but those games for the Chargers were ugly. And it creates a very interesting situation in Los Angeles. I think this is a team that would pony up and go all in for a Tom Brady or someone that's going to sell tickets because they struggle to have home field advantage there uh, for the Chargers. Every game's kind of like a, a road game. I think I heard Melvin Gordon talking. I think they played in Mexico, and he was so excited about the crowd there because they were all behind the Chargers. <laughs> More excited about Mexico than your home game, you know, in Los Angeles. So the, the Chargers have some stadium issues. have got to find a quarterback. But as far as Phillip Rivers, I think we're seeing the end of the road, John. It's not going to sell tickets, but I would love to see a player like Teddy Bridgewater go to the Chargers. I think he could do really good things. We saw what he did with Michael Thomas in the games that he played. That would be Keenan Allen. I think they're somewhat similar in a lot of regards. It would help a player like Mike Williams. And Dan's giving me the thumbs That's up That's my there. boy. He, there's more in Mike Williams yet, Johnny. Actually, this is completely uh, besides the point here, but I'm coming around on Mike Williams as well, especially at his current price. It's dropping, and I like that. And these players, they're like stocks. If the price is dropping low enough, I'm going to start to invest. And Mike Williams is a guy that I definitely am investing in this offseason. If the price is right, Mitch always gets on me when I say price dependent, but it is price dependent. I could probably learn from you guys, JB, because, you know, I think when we first got into this dynasty get together and you and I are first getting to know each other, I was all Mike Williams. And you're asking me, you know, where do you see him? And, And I had him much higher than he should have been. And that's just me being a former coach. I saw the talent, this guy, like, man, does he pass the eye test? You throw a ball up, he's going to get it. He's super athletic. But where he falls in the draft is so critical, especially in recent years when you have a Philip Rivers situation. And there's not a, a Patrick Mahomes that could run around and find ways to get you the ball. So price dependent. I'm with you on this one. So sixth overall pick, do you think they go rookie or do they go veteran? If you just had to guess right now. I could see Justin Herbert and him maybe needing a little bit more development than a Burrow or Tua, even though Tua's coming off the injury. You know, I could see them getting an Andy Dalton into a Justin Herbert. I was ready. just going to say that. His stock rose. He looks good. They built for the future. They just surprisingly re-signed Anthony Lynn. So they're giving a, a little vote of confidence in their head coach there. That could be a, a win-win for Anthony Lynn to stay a little bit longer. If, you know, if Herbert's not ready, you buy a couple years with Dalton, and then you go to that rookie once it's time. I felt like that was a cheesy catchphrase. It's a win-win with Anthony Lynn. Like, that could be like his mantra, you know? But one thing I, w- I do want to say kind of as a proxy speaker here for Mitch. One thing that he brought up in the chat, and I I think it's relevant, a player like Austin Eckler in the passing game, and even Melvin Melvin Gordon to an extent, and Hunter Henry, all the the free agents here coming up here in 2020, they benefited from a player like Phillip Rivers, who, while he still tried to throw the deep ball, he relied heavily on those underneath passes. I do think it negatively impacts a player like Austin Eckler a little bit. But it's going to be very interesting to see. I would really like to see them. I could see them going Justin Herbert at six. And it seems like that's a popular pick right now. People are projecting that. Taking him sixth overall. They have the cap space. Bring in Andy Dalton on a, hell, make it a one-year deal. Who cares? I think that could work there. And you don't want to maybe run the risk of bringing in like a Teddy Bridgewater, make it another Nick Foles situation. All right, we're going to pay this guy out the wazoo. And after one year, they're like, oh, 
crap, that didn't work out. Now we're stuck with this contract. So who knows? It's going to be a very interesting situation. And there are so many dynasty assets on this team as of now. Eckler, Gordon, Henry, Allen, Williams. A little bit of that could change with free agency here. But it's going to be a very interesting offseason for this team. Yeah, this is where Mitch would come in good tonight is you know he always does that deep dive on the offensive lines he it's, loves the offensive lines and it's so crucial it really is yeah and that's you know could the chargers jb fix that o-line if they fix that o-line i mean we've been excited about the chargers offense the last few years when you have melvin gordon eckler keenan allen hunter henry mike williams you're expecting this offense to be a powerhouse and it just hasn't been able to materialize into that i like how you say you know eckler could be a little risky because he was that dump off guy for Philip Rivers. His arm could handle that. That's why Keenan Allen always produces. He likes those quick, yeah. quick throws, get the ball out of his hand. You know, Mike Williams still produced because Philip Rivers would just throw him a nine ball and, you know, he would get his air yards there. So I could see Mike Williams improving because I think hopefully his route tree will expand with a different quarter, quarterback. Keenan Allen will probably be solid. Eckler, we'll see. You know, Melvin Gordon, if he's healthy, he wants to come back. They can still have a strong running game. And I think Hunter Henry would be the wild card. You have such a talented tight end where he might benefit the most from having a mobile quarterback and hopefully an improved offensive line. And there's talks about, I mean, there's talks about Tom Brady going everywhere. I mean, next week there's going to be a report that Tom Brady's going to go to heaven and play for God's team or something like that. <laughs> but there were talks that he's going to play for the Chargers. And okay, let's say that happens. Another point that Mitch brought up, Keenan Allen, his stock, at least for 2020, is going to skyrocket. We see what Tom Brady does with his slot receivers. Keenan Allen, he might see 180 targets. Great point. Great point. The Tom Brady r- rumors are just like beyond rampant. Like even today, I have my buddy texting me before the show about him going to Dallas. And I think Michael Irvin's trying to st- stir I that saw, up. I saw and- that garbage. I saw it. I think some of that, too, with the listeners, is good for them to know is some of these rumors is to help in contract negotiations. Dak has a lot of leverage in Dallas in the negotiating table right now. So I think throwing out a little Tom Brady rumor probably helps Jerry a little bit. Michael Irvin and Jerry's close. So I think a lot of that comes into it. Yeah. In New Orleans, I hear it's Drew Brees. They're just waiting for him to make the decision. So I, I think you'll see him back in New Orleans. And I know we're going to talk about those guys at a later time, but man, you yeah, get me pumped, We're going to talk JP. about next week, so don't spoil the whole episode, Dan. All right. Hey, that was a teaser, a teaser for the yeah, listeners. Absolutely, absolutely. A little trailer, a little preview. So talking about the teams we talked about tonight, the Jaguars, we both kind of had Gardner Minshew as a buy at his current price in startups. Nick Foles, if you're looking to lock up that quarterback room, yeah, maybe. I can see it. Not necessarily going out to buy him in existing leagues. The Raiders, I like Carr. I think he needs to be their starter. I think I was very adamant about that. Dan, can you refresh my memory here? You had him as a buy, maybe, at his current price. Definite buy. You know the one buzzword I think we both agree on tonight. We just need conviction from the Raiders on on Carr, but definitely a buy. And once we see that, at least for 2020, if they do commit to him, that's when maybe I look at him as a sell because I don't know how much longer he has, but that's definitely going to bump up his perceived value once they commit to him in 2020. And, And how much buzz moving to that awesome new stadium helps value. Oh, absolutely. I think there, there will be a great sell opportunity for some Raiders when they're going into that new stadium. Not so much with a new stadium, but it's exactly what we saw with the Cleveland Browns. How much hype was around them? Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. People were going nuts for them. Just not even fantasy, but as a team in general. And that didn't really pan out. But yeah, there's going to be tremendous buzz. So Derek Carr, a buy. Andy Dalton, 
We like him at his price. We think he might have an opportunity. Definitely needs a better situation looking at the offensive line. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, Phillip Rivers want nothing to do with him. We would be surprised if he has one year left in the tank. And it's going to be very interesting to see if they go rookie, veteran, or a combination of the two there. So it's going to be a very interesting offseason. Like you said, Dan, probably one of the most exciting offseasons we've ever seen looking at the quarterback position. And we're going to dive right back into it next week. Hopefully Mitch gets his house in order. He closes that deal and he's able to sell. And he's going to be able to join us again next week when we talk about four more teams and their quarterback contract situations. Now, we've gone away from it a few episodes, but do you have any closing thoughts for the listeners, Dan? I just say there's no such thing as an offseason. You know, what a fun sports weekend it was. I know you and I are both participating in dynasty drafts. My Duke Blue Devils, I'm wearing the swag here. Overtime Thriller versus North Carolina. And JB, you know I got to plug it once. I'm enjoying the XFL. That's fine. That's fine. We're just not doing a full show on the XFL. Much to your chagrin, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, hopefully everybody enjoyed the first episode of the breakdown of the quarterback contracts, the dynasty implications, and what to expect here whether the buy, sells, and our overall predictions. And guess what? They are just that. We don't know exactly how these quarterback situations are going to play out, but we are making our most educated and best guess that we can. Hopefully you all enjoy the show. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Superflexology. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Superflexology podcast. If you want the latest news in fantasy football, follow us on Twitter at Superflexology, The Bauer Club, and Dino MC.